0: Hello everybody! Uh, Thank you for inviting us into your space today. There's so much going on at Christ Community that we'd love for you to be a part of, so head on over to our website, check out our coming up page, see all the things you can be a part of. Also, please don't forget to like and subscribe, whether it's on YouTube or the podcast you're listening to. Uh, That way you can see whenever new content's available. Uh, Enjoy the message! Welcome to all of you who are here, so glad you're here. Um, Before I jump into the message, I want to mention a couple things. Next weekend is Baptism Weekend, um, and it's not too late to sign up to be baptized. Baptism is a really important step of obedience for a believer in Jesus. It is not a way to be saved. We are saved through our faith in Christ, but baptism is something Jesus commands us to do. And it's a really cool experience as we publicly declare our faith in Christ in the presence of this church family. So if you've not been baptized as a believer in Jesus, I urge you to do so. Even if you were baptized as an infant, That was really more about your parents' desire for you. You had no choice in that. I'm talking about you choosing to be baptized as a way to demonstrate your faith in Christ. So the sign-up process is really simple. It's all online on our website. The information is in the newsletter. Um, And just so you know, I, I and a small team from Christ Community are headed to Peru this week, leaving Monday, and we're gonna go visit two of the Compassion International Child Development Center sites that you as a church so generously funded last March. If you were here in March, you know what happened. We wanted to start one of those, and so we just said, hey, if you wanna give to this, we got twice as much as we needed, so we were able to launch another Child Development Center site in Peru. Both of them are serving hundreds of children, meeting physical and emotional and spiritual needs. And so I can't wait to meet the leaders who are there and uh, the the children who are in these two places. We're going to capture, we're bringing our video guy. And so we're capturing some footage so that you'll be able to see the impact of your generosity. So we appreciate your prayers for that trip. So we as a church are walking through the book of 1 Corinthians, it's a letter the apostle Paul wrote to the church in the city of Corinth, and we find ourselves in chapter 12, which is a really powerful section of scripture, because in it, the apostle Paul spends some significant time talking about a subject that impacts every one of us, and that's the topic of spiritual gifts. So two weeks ago, we looked at the first few verses in this chapter, and we discovered what a spiritual gift is. Here's the definition that we came up with after looking at Paul's words. A spiritual gift is a special ability given to each and every believer by the Holy Spirit and energized by the Holy Spirit for the purpose of serving other people and demonstrating that the Spirit is alive. So if you have placed your faith in Jesus, you have a superpower. You have a supernatural ability given to you by God to be used to bless other people and to help other people. Then last week, we looked at the four places in the New Testament where Paul provides a list of some spiritual gifts. And we talked about what all of those gifts were, what they look like, with the hope of us beginning to discover what spiritual gifts God has given to us. Now, all of that is really helpful information, but we all know that sometimes the best laid plans can create some unexpected challenges. And that's exactly what was happening in the church in the city of Corinth. We know from Paul's letter that the church, this particular church, was very into spiritual gifts, especially the more demonstrative ones, like speaking in tongues. We talked about this last week, but like speaking in tongues. And what what, began, what had begun to happen in that church was that the people with the gift of speaking in tongues began to view that gift as sort of a mark of maturity, that if you didn't speak in tongues, you were less spiritual. So suddenly, these spiritual gifts that were given by God to actually build unity were instead creating relational tension and, and division, which was not good. So once Paul introduces the topic of spiritual gifts, and then he gives this list of some of the spiritual gifts, he spends the rest of the chapter addressing the specific relational tensions that the use of spiritual gifts were creating in the church. And what we see in his response is a powerful picture of how spiritual gifts can positively impact our relationships we are living in a period of time where, where there is a relationship crisis happening. 61% of young people today report feelings of serious, serious loneliness. That's the, just quoting from the survey I read, 61%. 46% of adults in America report sometimes or always feeling alone or left out. This is a huge problem that speaks to a longing in the heart of every person to be a longing to be relationally connected. This is one of the many reasons I am so passionate about this thing called the church, because the church can help provide the relational connections that our society is so desperately looking for. And one of the avenues for this relational connection is found in the area of spiritual gifts. So in this passage, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning of verse 14 to verse 31, Paul describes two specific ways that spiritual gifts can deepen our experience of relational connectedness. First, our cultivation of spiritual gifts provides a greater experience of belonging. A greater experience of belonging. Every human being wants to feel like they belong. I mean, as teenagers, what were most of us as teenagers terrified of? Not fitting in. Not belonging. Having no one to sit with at lunch. Having no friends. I mean, these these are real adolescent fears that are rooted in this desire to belong. And the reality is we never grow out of that. We never grow out of that. We all desperately want to feel like we belong. And this desire to belong is a good thing. We, are, we were created by God with this desire. We, we're not created to be alone. We're not created to live in isolation. We are created by God for relational connection. And spiritual gifts are designed to help us experience this sense of belonging. So look with me at verse 14. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many." So Paul is using this analogy of a physical body to make his case for the importance of spiritual gifts. Just as our physical body is made up of many different parts and yet is one body, so too the body of Christ is made up of many different parts and yet is one body. And these different parts are spiritual gifts and yet we are still one body. So in this analogy, it is clear In the analogy for the church, every part belongs. But Paul identifies in this passage, he's going to identify a very subtle and yet destructive way of thinking that undermines our experience of belonging. Look at verse 15. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ears should say, because I'm not an eye, I, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. See, notice the issue that Paul is addressing here. It is something that will undermine our experience of belonging. It is the deadly toxin of comparison. That's what Paul is describing here in this analogy. He's talking hypothetically about a foot saying to itself, "Uh, because I'm not a hand, I don't really belong in this body. The the foot is concluding that because it's not like another part of the body, it doesn't belong in the body. And when we initially hear this analogy, we, we, we might think, oh, that's absurd, right? Why would a foot think that? But the reality is, this happens all the time in the church. We see someone else who has a personality trait or a spiritual gift that we don't have, but instead of rejoicing in and celebrating in their gifting, we begin to look at them. We begin to look at that through the lens of comparison, which then feeds our own insecurity. This is something that I have battled for years when I get around a group of pastors and they start talking about their church or ministry or what they're doing, all that. I I tend to instinctively hear these things through a lens of comparison and insecurity. And and if I let my heart go there in a matter of minutes, I'm telling myself, what am I doing being a pastor? I I don't belong here. I don't fit. Do you see the problem? It's not about me having differing gifts than these other pastors. No, no. It's about me viewing my gifts through the lens of comparison. I'm believing a lie that I need to be just like every one of these other pastors. I need to have the same gifts as these other pastors. But the truth is, I don't. I don't. In fact, it's not healthy for all of us to have identical gifts. We all bring di- different gifts. We bring different abilities. We bring different passions and expertise and personalities to the table. And that's a good thing for the body of Christ. Look at what Paul says next in verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? I mean, Paul is reminding us that if we all had the same gifts, that would be kind of awful. So many things wouldn't or couldn't get done because we would be missing out on some much needed abilities. I mean, if everyone had in, the, in our church, everyone had in a church had the gift of teaching, but there were no mercy gifts in that church, that would not be good. That church would be, they they would know their Bible really well, but they wouldn't care about hurting people. But but there's more here to Paul's argument. Look, Look at what he says in the next verse. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. This is so cool. This is exactly what all of us need to hear when we start feeling insecure about, some, you know, about our particular giftings compared to someone else's giftings. When we start feeling insecure about that, we start comparing ourselves. We need to be reminded of what Paul just says, of what it says here in verse 18, that God has placed Every one of us in this body, and He has given us the gifts he wanted us to have. He is the one that's determined that He has given those gifts to you because those are the gifts he wants you to have. He gave you the gifts you you have because that's what he wanted. You are his masterpiece. You are uniquely gifted in the way he wants you to be gifted. And because of your uniqueness, you belong. See, this is so counterintuitive, right? We typically think we belong in some group or whatever. We belong because we fit in with everyone else. But Paul's saying, no, no, no. When it comes to spiritual gifts, you belong because you're not like everyone else. You bring a unique and needed gift to the body. And this is why at the end of this chapter, jumping down to the last verses here in verse 29, Paul will ask these rhetorical questions. At the end of this chapter, look at what he says. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret the answer collectively? No, right? No one has all the gifts. They are intentionally spread out among the body. For those in that church that were arguing, they were arguing that anyone who is truly spiritual should speak in tongues, Paul's like, Nick's that. Gifts don't work that way. Not everyone is intended to have every gift. And it is, the, it is that truth that fuels the reality of our sense of belonging in the body our gifts are not supposed to be like everyone else's which means that our gifts are needed they are we belong we belong so whenever we start going down that black hole of comparison and feeling less than because we don't have the gift that someone else has we need a fresh reminder of what Paul's saying here. God has given you gifts that he wants you to have. Don't compare your gifts to other people. Be who you are. Be who you are. So let me just ask, are you okay with who you are? are you okay with the gifts that you have and the gifts that you don't have? Are you willing to embrace the truth that God wanted you to have the gifts you have and that he gave them to you for a purpose? You belong, every one of you, you belong. Which leads to the second relational blessing of spiritual gifts. Not only does the cultivation of spiritual gifts lead to a greater experience of belonging. It also leads to a greater experience of dependence. This is where Paul goes next in this passage, verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. See, so here, Paul is addressing the opposite problem. Right? In the first scenario, which we've just looked at, the issue was comparison and feeling insecure because I don't have that person's gift, right? That was the issue. Someone concluding they don't belong because they don't have the gift someone else has. Here the issue is not inferiority. Here the issue is superiority. Someone looking down on another person with a different gifting and feeling like, oh, this other person's gift isn't needed. It isn't valuable. It isn't nearly as important as my gift, As I mentioned earlier, in the church at Corinth, this was what was happening with those who spoke in tongues. They viewed anyone who didn't have the gift of speaking in tongues as being inferior, less important. So Paul jumps into this by saying, this has got to stop. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. I mean, our eyes are pretty amazing in terms of what they can do, but they can't hold a steering wheel of a car. I mean, they can see the trouble coming, but they can't do anything to get out of the way. Paul is earnestly wanting us to realize that this whole concept of spiritual gifts makes us incredibly dependent upon other people. And that's a really good thing. Since none of us have all the gifts, we need the people around us who have different gifts. And it's not just about tolerating them. We need them. We need them. We need what they bring. We need the questions they ask. We need the spiritual gifts they possess. And that need creates a really powerful relational connection. I was talking with a friend of mine recently who was having some memory loss issues and it's really discouraging for her. And I mentioned to her, I said, she's been a friend for years. I said, you, you have... You have some amazing spiritual gifts. And she said, But my memory is not very good. And I said, But your hands work great. What if you were around some people who have a great memory and you could use your hands to make a quilt with them? See, what, 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 or something like that with your hands. I mean, what, what, if, what if our weaknesses created space in our lives? For a greater dependence upon people who have abilities and gifts that we don't have. (laughs) What if our weaknesses actually created space for us to need and depend upon other people? Deepening our relational connection. See, suddenly our dependency, our weakness and our dependency creates a sacred place for connection relational connection Paul actually goes there next in this passage look at this on the contrary those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable did you hear this the parts of our body that seem weaker are indispensable in other words they are incredibly valuable so we, we have a, Raylene and I, my wife and I have an amazing son named Josh who has some sp- significant special needs. He's 22 years old and he and Raylene, my wife Raylene, they come to the 11 o'clock worship service on Sundays. If you've been here in that service, you know that Josh loves to worship. And the way he loves to worship is he loves to do it right up front here. Um, So he gets out of the row that we're sitting in, and he comes up front, usually stands up in this section, and he worships by playing air guitar or by singing into a pretend microphone. Now, I got to admit, when he first started going up front, I felt a little self-conscious a little concerned about what other people might think, what's a, what is a new person gonna think, whatever. I just started you know, start to go there a little bit. But as I've heard more and more people tell me how impactful his worship is upon them, I've realized our church needs Josh. Our church needs Josh. We need his gifts, we need his heart. So on the morning, my daughter was getting married a few weeks ago. Saturday morning, October 21st. I got up at 4.30. I could not sleep. I got up at 4.30. A lot of emotions going on in me. And I got up at 4.30. And, and um, I grabbed these photo albums that my wife, Raylene, had put together for all of our kids from birth. They're just Lots of these photo albums. And so I grabbed some and I sat on in our living room and I just started going through these. And as I was, I was reminiscing and crying over these photos of my children growing up. I, I noticed there was one photo of Josh years ago. And underneath it, Raylene had written a prophetic word that someone had given to us for Josh when he was a child years ago. She had written this prophetic word. Here's, here was the word He will worship like David. And I thought about how Joshua worships, unconcerned what anyone thinks of him. That prophetic word has come true, even with a nonverbal young adult that prophetic word has come true we as a church need josh we need joshua's worshiping heart we need his example to remind us how so often our self-consciousness keeps us from genuine worship and we as a church need what you bring as well verse 23 and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty while our presentable parts need no special treatment but God has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, Paul is saying that in the body of Christ, every gift is valuable, every gift is important. those behind the scenes gifts no one knows about they are just as important and valuable as a gift that is utilized on a stage with a microphone. I mean, for example, the impact of my my gift of teaching. Is completely dependent upon those who serve in our tech area the amazing teams that serve in our tech area and they enable my voice to be heard they're looking at levels all the time and is completely my gift is completely dependent upon all the volunteers who serve in our incredible children's ministry they're serving right now and that how that enables so many parents to be in this room without distraction and our facilities crew who make sure this room is is ready and comfortable, and those who give financially so that we have heat in this building, and those who have been praying for this service, and on and on and on and on. So many spiritual gifts are at work in making a worship service like this happen. Some of those gifts are more obvious. Some are, are behind the scenes. But all of them are vitally important, and are to be honored as such. And that's just a worship service. <laughs> There's so much about church that happens beyond a worship service. I mean, talk about all the ministries happening throughout the week. What about all those ministries that are happening? To, to, and, and they're happening, why? They're happening through people in this church using their gifts to meet with students, to pour into children, to connect with people in need, to listen to someone who is hurting. All these gifts are interconnected. See, the reality is we need each other. I need the gifts you bring, and you need the gifts I bring. In the economy of God, every gift matters and is needed and is to be valued. And see, when we fully embrace this truth, it cultivates something that Paul specifically mentions in this passage, a relationally connected community. That's what happens. It's exactly what Paul describes next in this passage. Look at verse 24. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body. Check this out. But that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. What a beautiful description of a healthy community. Every part honoring each other. Every part having equal concern for the other. If one part suffers, every part suffers. I mean, look, that that's how our physical bodies are designed, right? <clears throat> you get up in the middle of the night to get a drink of water or to go to the bathroom if you're my age or whatever it is, okay. But anyway, you get up, let's say you get up to get a drink of water at the middle of the night and you stub your big toe on a piece of furniture that you didn't see. When that happens, your whole body is impacted. Your brain, your heart rate, your ability to walk, the words that come out of your mouth. You, you, don't, you don't stub your toe and not notice when your toe suffers your whole body suffers and Paul says this is what it is to look like in the body of Christ the church is designed to be a place of belonging that's how it's designed it is designed by God to be a place of belonging a place of mutual honoring and dependence upon each other and a place where if one person suffers the body suffers if one person rejoices the body rejoices who wouldn't want to be a part of a community like that who wouldn't want to be a part of a church like that I mean, it sounds amazing right <laughs> but let's remember it is built that vision of community it's built upon a crucial premise that paul has been articulating throughout this passage Every person using their spiritual gifts. That's the glue. That's the key that enables this amazing relational community to happen. Look at, look at Paul's summary statement, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Paul is saying, just like we have a physical body, all of us are walking around with a physical body. Just like we have a physical body, guess what? Christ has a body on earth. You're it. Ustedes, you are it. You are Christ's body. You are the body of Christ on earth, and each of you is a part of it. Each one of you is a vital, indispensable part of the body of Christ. You have been given by God spiritual gifts to be used, to be used, to bless and help and encourage other people in their walk with Jesus. But not only that, as, we, as we've seen in the passage today, when you use your spiritual gifts, your experience of relational connectedness will deepen. Because you will feel like you belong that you're needed and you will realize that you need others. And in that place of belonging and dependence, you'll be in relationships where genuine community can begin to be formed with a genuine concern for one another. So if that experience of community is something you long for, I would encourage you to see your spiritual gifts as an avenue to begin wading into that. Some of the most significant relational connections around here are found in people volunteering on a ministry team, using the gifts they have to serve in an area and, and and as they're doing that with a group of others who share that same ministry passion, a beautiful relational community is formed. I heard someone mention how at a, at a college football game, <clears throat> the stands are filled with thousands of people cheering their team on. And in that moment... I've heard this, you know, oh, there are people in the stands and the people doing the work are on the field. I've heard that analogy, but I'm not going there yet. Okay, well, here's the analogy. All these fans are in the field, are in the stands. They're rooting for their team, cheering them on. And in that moment, here's what happens. There's an amazing experience of unity among the fans. They are screaming together for the same thing. They are cheering when their team scores. It is powerful. It's electrifying. But when the game is over everyone leaves. And that sense of community is gone. It was only there for the moment. But in the church, the way Paul is describing here, it's not like that. In the church, everyone gets to play and is an active participant in ministry. And in that solidarity of mission... An amazing experience of unity and relational connection happens that is fueled by our love for Jesus who gave his life for us. What a privilege and joy it is to serve him with one another in this relational Community, the body of Christ. What a joy, what a privilege that is. All right, let's, let's um, stand. If you're able to stand, why don't we stand and we're gonna respond to the word by quieting our hearts. So I encourage you to close your eyes. If you're comfortable, feel free to, sometimes some people just have their hands open in front of them. Palms up. Just in, it's a post, an ancient posture of receptivity. And what I'm gonna do in just a moment, I'm gonna pray this ancient prayer, which is come Holy Spirit. And what we're doing in that, in the, in that prayer, we're simply offering ourselves to the Lord. We're offering our hearts and our minds to him and we wanna just welcome him to say, he's, maybe he's already been speaking, but to say or do things in us as we wait on him. So we're going to take a little time for stillness. And let's just be present to the Lord. What is he saying to you? What's he wanting to do in you? What's he wanting to impart to you? So Holy Spirit, come. We offer our hearts and our bodies and our mind to you. Just come, Holy Spirit, speak and move as we wait on you. Jesus, we are your body. We are your body. Thank you for inviting us into this relational community where we are needed and we are dependent upon others. Thank you. God, I wanna pray, I just wanna pray into this, this idea of church, Lord, if we have had, I just pray that our vision of church would be at the level of what you just described in 1 Corinthians 12. Not, oh, just come and whatever, and do our thing, leave. I just pray, God, that, that our, our, our vision of church would be elevated. This beautiful picture of being the body of Christ. Every part matters. Every part is important and valuable. And we need each other. God, would you help us walk in that as a church more and more? Thank you for what you're catalyzing in our hearts in these weeks as we're looking at this chapter just continue that Lord we would be enraptured overwhelmed just so consumed by this vision of church that is so beautiful and so needed in a culture where people feel so relationally disconnected would you help us all of us experience deepening relational connection of our spiritual gifts. So we pray for that, God. We pray for that, Lord. And God, as we continue to worship now, we, we wanna continue to open our hearts to you, Holy Spirit, whatever you wanna do in us, whatever you would wanna impart, we open our hearts to you and all that you are. So as we do that, worship team is gonna lead us. This is just a continuation of what we've been experiencing. If, if you wanna sit down at some point, totally cool. If you wanna keep standing, you wanna just listen to the song rather than singing, if you wanna sing, all of that. It's, it's really about opening our hearts to the Holy Spirit. And, and if at any point you would like someone to kind of pray alongside something that God's doing in you, then you, we invite you to come up front here. You can come up front, you can sit down. Um, prayer team, um, Victoria and I, will keep an eye on that. And um, if you come up and just sit down, we'll come next to you. And all we're gonna do is just bless what God's doing. And if God puts a word on our heart that we feel like is for you, we'll just share that. You can test and weigh that. So God, we love you and we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to continue your ministry among us. We are your body. We love you, Jesus. We open our hearts to you, and we want to continue to respond to you now. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you, Lord. Hey, friends. So wherever you're at coming out of this message, we want you to know you are not alone. And we are here. We're here to pray for you, to talk with you. um, And we'd love to just connect. So you can go onto our website. There's a chat button on there. We always have somebody on the other side um, that would love to just be a part of your journey. So we hope you guys have a great week.